you, bro. Hey, good morning, Christ Church. It's good to see you. Go ahead and take a seat. Uh, we're so glad you're here today. Can we take a second? Welcome all those who are uh, watching online with us. We're glad you're tuning in. If, this, if you're a guest with us your first time, uh, yeah, make sure to fill out a connection card, get a gift. Uh, we'd love to meet you um, and hear what God's doing in your life. Well, today we're continuing this sermon series in the book of 1 Corinthians, um, and we've been looking kind of week by week, but I'm going to fast forward a little bit in this series. So we're going to kind of jump to 1 Corinthians 7 um, this week and, uh, and, you know, move through a couple chapters. I told you I was going to change the plan, you know, so, uh, so don't be mad at me here. But we're going to talk about these next two weeks, we're going to talk about marriage and relationships. Yeah, yeah, it was just Valentine's Day, guys, come on. Um, but we're going to, and here's the deal, whether you're married or not, we're going to talk about marriage, and I think it's helpful, whether you're married or not, to hear about it, and we're also, we're going to talk about singleness too, all right? So we're covering everybody here, and I think listening to all that, I think there's good, helpful insight um, on either end. So let's pray, and, and we'll get into it. Father, we love you, we pray that you would guide us, that you would bless us, Lord. I pray especially, Father, for our marriages and our church, that you would bless them with healthy momentum. Father, I pray that you would just build some small wins, even today and this week. And I pray, Lord, that there could be refreshing, renewing, strengthening, and uh, in a good path forward. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, have you ever had a really challenging project uh, or like a big paper due? And it was like, it was so big that you're like, I have so much to do. I'm going to go ahead and take a nap. And it, or like you, you, it was so big that you're like, I'm going to dilly dally as long as possible, even though that's the worst thing I can do. But somehow it makes sense. Anyone with me? We, for, for Christmas, we got this, um, this reverse osmosis water filter. Um, you know, Allie's, since I've married her, you know, she has, is so much more committed to health than I am, you know, and now we, we got to make our water healthier, you know, like, look, I grew up drinking Tahitian tree, all right, just drink, that has 8,000 grams of sugar in it, so like any water, babe, I'm already moving in the right direction, but anyway, but, uh, but we, we got it at Christmas, and it's just been sitting in the same place, you know, because I'm like, Somebody has to hook that thing up, and that somebody is supposed to be me, you know, but I don't, uh, you know, it's just, yeah, yeah, I'll call somebody, uh, but, you know, I, I've also, I have this uh, big paper that I need to write for school, and of course, you know, I've just been dilly-dallying left and right, and, and what you want in those moments when, when there's a big project, you, you want a miracle to happen, don't you? You just want it to, like, magically <laughs> happen before your eyes without you doing, but, but that's not what happens. And in those moments, believe it or not, what we actually need more than anything is just a little bit of momentum. Have you ever noticed that the hardest part is just getting started? And then once you get started, you're like, 
okay, like this is starting to move. This, I can start to begin to see the, the finish line here. And, and you build momentum. You, you start to get just one little win that turns into another win that turns into another little win. And then you start to, you, you start to have hope. You start to feel like good things can happen. I can get through this. I can get this done. And today, I want to talk about building a little momentum in our marriages. Now, today, maybe your marriage is going great. Maybe it's going okay. Or maybe it's not going good at all. But here's what I know. That each of us today can begin to build a little bit of momentum. We can get a few small wins under our belts, and everything that we're facing will look different. You with me on this? So that's my prayer for you today. If you're, if you're married here, my prayer is just a little bit of momentum. Yes, we want God to do grand scale change, but, but, but God might bring that through a few small wins. And so I want to look at this powerful passage uh, on marriage. Now, this is from Ephesians. I know, you know, we're in Corinthians, but, but I'm looking to Ephesians here because this is really, I think, a great, succinct summary of how the Apostle Paul, who wrote 1 Corinthians, how he thinks about and understands marriage. And just in a, in a couple lines, he explains it in a really powerful way. So here it is, Ephesians 5, verse 31. He says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. And that's a quote from the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible. And that's the first time we see this thing called marriage that, that God creates. Uh, and he says, this mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Now, right there, Paul shows us something really, really powerful about marriage. He says, hey, marriage ultimately, it, it has a deeper purpose from God, and the purpose is that you would understand Christ and his love and his work for you. See, throughout the New Testament, the Apostle Paul will say that, that we as God's people, if you're a follower of Jesus to, today, that you as God's people, you are the bride of Christ, and Christ is the husband. And, and in this way, that, that marriage helps us to understand Christ, and Christ helps us to understand marriage. Now, I think there's something just very, very obvious about that that, that we have to consider, that, that marriage, God has to be central to it. If God created, if it's meant to help us to understand God and through God, we also understand what it's supposed to be about. Then, then it's got to be, God has to be central to it, and it can't just be about us. But anyways, I'm getting ahead of myself. Verse 33, he says, However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So then he kind of breaks it down to husbands and wives, and he gives them each a primary aim. Because wives, uh, your aim is respect. Husbands, your aim is love. Now, let's kind of dig into these verses. The, the first thing that, that I want to dig into is just the mystery that, that Paul talks about here. 
This idea that, that if I am going to understand marriage, I need to understand God. And in understanding God, it helps me to understand some elements of marriage. And here's just the, the first very basic thing to understand about how Christ relates to us and loves us. It's just this simple idea that Jesus Christ planned to love you. That Jesus Christ does not just, you know, accidentally love you today. It's not like a movie where you're walking and you run into each other and then you look in each other's eyes and you're like, there's everything I've been looking for all my life, right? And you, you stumbled into it. You know, I know that, that's great in a movie, but, but that's not really usually real life. And, and what the Apostle Paul shows us in the book of Ephesians is that God has been thinking about you for a long time. In fact, he begins the book of the Ephesians and he says, he says, God chose you before the foundations of the world to love you. Now, you might not feel like you've been picked by anyone, but I'm telling you, God has picked you to love you. And, and it's a planned love. It's, it's proactive. It's not accidental. It's not uh, just serendipitous, but it is, it is purposeful. And what I gather from that, church, is that our marriages are always better when we are proactive in loving each other. And remember, when, when, when you start out, you're usually better at that. Is that a fair statement? Right, when before Allie and I were ever dating, you know, when I knew, I was like, all right, you know, I definitely want to date this girl. I want to ask her out. We uh, were in like a, a mutual, we had a lot of mutual friends, you know, that would all hang out together. And there was one evening where everybody was going to go to a movie. But somehow I, I knew that like everybody was not going to go, you know, like people were backing out left and right. But I knew I was in and I knew Allie was in. Now, we weren't dating, but I was like, you know what I think is going to happen? This is going to turn into an accidental date. And I thought, this is good for my cause <laughs> because I'm kind of planting seeds. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm building up to the idea of going, and sure enough, we show up to the movie, everybody backs out. It's just me and Allie. And I'm like, oh, how did that happen? I didn't see that coming. And then I was like, you know what? Let me buy your ticket. And I bought it. <laughs> Amen. I was, that, <laughs> thank you, thank you. Church, my plan worked. You know what I'm saying? It worked, but I, I had it. I, I was, I was a, a, a sneaky fox. I don't know what, I don't know what that means. But I, I had a plan. You know, I was like, this is step one. This is how, you know, I'm going to get her used to like, we already kind of went on a date. So when I actually asked for an official date, you're always like, well, I kind of did that already. But, you know, sure. So I, was, I, I, had a, I had a plan. I was in pursuit. I was thinking a couple steps ahead. I was playing chess, not checkers, church. <laughs> I was good. But then you get married for a couple years, you start to lose your edge. You know what I'm saying? You start, you start playing chess, not no, checkers, whatever. <laughs> you get what I'm saying. You know how it goes. But, but here's, here's, here's this one just simple thing I want you to think about 
what, what does it look like to take some steps to pursue your spouse? And church, you, you don't need a super sophisticated plan. You know, if, if, you're, if you're a married couple and like you haven't had two minutes in the last six months just to be together, you know, without the craziness of life, like your plan is, hey, this week, like I know it's going to be a pain and it's going to be hard, but let's go be together with just us. It, it, it can be, church, that simple. It, again, we're not, we're not looking to, uh, to turn the Titanic. We're just looking to build a little bit of momentum. I love the idea of the love languages. Have, have you guys heard of love languages? Gary Chapman, it's a great book, but it, the idea is that we all receive love differently. And there's five languages. There's words of affirmation. So some of us, words really mean something to us. There are acts of service where, you know, hey, don't, don't talk to me. Just do something for me, you know. I feel your love, love when you do the dishes, you know. If that's your spouse's love language, I'm sorry. <laughs> that's a tough one, man. We're, words are so much easier. Um, <laughs> There's quality time, just being together, you know, with, with time and attention. There are gifts, you know, buying them something, being thoughtful, going out of, you, out of your way. Uh, and physical touch, you know, a hug, putting your arm, holding hands, um, that kind of thing really fills their love tank. Now, of course, all of us, I think probably primarily have one of those languages, and so does your spouse. Now, I'm a words of affirmation guy, and because that's how I receive it, that's how I want to give it. So I'm always like, Allie, you know, I love you, you're great, you know, all this stuff. She's like, yeah, thanks. <laughs> and I'm like, I just, I just emptied my soul to you, and it, it did nothing, you know. Um, but that's not her love language. Her, her love language is, is physical touch, and for, you know, so she wants to like, sit on the couch together, and I'm like, babe, my shoulders are like, you know, if I lift this thing up, it may not come back down. It just, we're, we're but, but that's, and usually your spouse's love language, it's going to be kind of typically be a foreign language to you. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's probably not your natural language. But you know what, what a great thing is, is to just spend, if you don't know what your spouse's is, you know, you could probably sit here for 30 seconds, and you might be able to figure it out. Or after church, have a quick conversation, but then think this week, what, what can I do to be proactive so that they feel love the way they feel it? Not the way I want to give it, but, but the way that it makes sense in their life. Because many times, church, honestly, sometimes our, our marriages, we get stuck because we stop feeling loved by the other person. Even though they love you, they really do, but it's not translating into how we understand it. And you know what? You can start to build some momentum because you make deposits. And yeah, at first, when the bank account is empty, it doesn't look like much. But guess what? After a few are deposited, it grows, church, and, and it changes the dynamic. Christ loves us proactively. Now, here's the second big thing about Christ's love for us. Jesus Christ's love overcomes 
our unlovable nature. Church, I want you to know the love for Christ, it's not, he doesn't love you because you're the easiest person he could find to love. I know it'd be great to think that today. He, he loves us despite how difficult we can be to love. You with me? That, that's part of what makes his love so astounding. Is that today Christ isn't looking at you and he's not looking at me and he's saying, all right, you know, fix all these things in your life. Become more lovable and then I'll love you. Quit being a knucklehead and then I'll love you. No, he loves us as we are today. As we, as we were when his love first came into our life and all our brokenness. But, but here's what his love does. It, it shapes us to be better. It sanctifies it, it redeems us. It restores us. And his love is this incredibly powerful thing that radically shapes us. You with me on this, church? And so in marriage, we're called to exhibit that type of love towards each other. Let me read this quote to you from Stanley Hauerwas. He's a, a Christian ethicist. He says this, Destructive to marriage is the self-fulfillment ethic that assumes in marriage and the family are primarily institutions of personal fulfillment necessary for us to become whole and happy. I'm going to talk a lot about this next week. Sometimes we glorify marriage. And this is especially easy to do when you're single. You're like, oh, if I get married, I'm going to be happy and fulfilled. Listen, marriage is a blessing. But married people, there's problems that come with it. Amen? It's a blessing. But it's a, if you're looking to do it to fulfill you, don't do it. Amen? It will shape you. God will use it. He will sanctify. There will be blessings, but it, it's not the end-all, be-all. Only God can be that in your life. You with me on this? And if you try to make your spouse into that, you're in for a difficult road. That's what he's saying. He says, the assumption is, look at this, there is someone just right for us to marry, that if we look closely enough, we will find the right person. This moral assumption overlooks a crucial, crucial aspect to marriage. It fails to appreciate the fact that we always marry the wrong person. Power loss, how dare you? We never know whom we marry, we just think we do, or even if we marry the right person, just give it a while and he or she will change. He's saying something really important. What, what he's saying is that our love is meant to be overcoming. That, that it, it, it's meant to, it's meant to, there has to be obstacles that it overcomes, that God uses. It's, it's meant to be that way. When, when Allie and I were on our honeymoon, we went on this beautiful hike. It was like one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. It was this wonderful nature hike to this beach. It was beautiful. And once we made it, I got this idea in my head on the way back. I was like, I wonder how fast we can make it back. And then I just started, like, having this competition in my mind. I'm like, I wonder if we could, you know, make it back in under 42 minutes. No idea why I did that. No idea why that came in my mind. So, and I didn't tell Allie. It was just all in my mind. So the whole time back, I'm, like, running. I'm, you know, like, like the most beautiful scenery you could ever see is, you know, on this path. And I'm... I'm running back, I'm rushing back, and at the end, I was like, 
Allie, I was timing us. Wasn't that fun? And she didn't think it was. Um, she looked incredibly annoyed. And I just have to imagine in her mind, there might have been thoughts like, who did I just marry here? What, 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 what happened? And I guarantee that those thoughts have been there ever since, you know? Um, there's, there, there's challenges in bringing lives together, isn't it? Christ loves us at our best moments, and he chooses to love us at our worst moments. It's not easy. It wasn't easy for Christ to do it. It's not easy for us to do it. And our love grows to a new maturity as we lean on God's strength towards the difficult moments and the difficult times. Now, let me remind you, Christ's love, it's graceful. It's merciful. It's forgiving. You're going to need all that in marriage, amen? And we need, we, we need to give that. And it's, again, I'm not saying this is easy, but, but this is part of God's call on our lives. And you don't have to do it alone. His strength will meet you. I, I heard, uh, I told you a couple weeks ago, this, this great interview with Teddy Atlas. He's Mike Tyson's boxing trainer. And, and he said Mike Tyson was the, the best athlete of a boxer that he's ever worked with, just his physical strength, agility, all that kind of thing. And the interviewer said, he said, but was, was he the best fighter that you ever worked with? And he said, he wasn't. He said, here's why. Because when it actually became a fight, when he couldn't just beat him on talent alone or intimidation, he said he would lose. And that all those losses where the guy wasn't intimidated and it wasn't talent wasn't enough, he needed to dig deeper and really find something deep was high. And he said he couldn't do it. He said, because it's not a fight unless there's something to overcome. I love that idea. It's not a fight unless there's something to overcome. And overcoming it is what makes you great. Our marriages are not great because they're problem-free. That's not what makes a great marriage. You with me? And today, if, if you're in here and you're like, you know what, I, I bet all these people around me have it figured out. They don't. Can I relieve that tension? Right? Everybody's got a struggle. It's just, when is it? Are we in it? Are we past it? When do we start the next one? Amen, church? We're, we're a bunch of broken people seeking God. And, and a great marriage is not a marriage where it's always smooth sailing, where, where there, it's problem-free, where it's an easy and smooth marriage. Here's what a great marriage is, is when it overcomes the challenges with Christ-like love. That's what makes it great. And here's what I believe about this church, because I know you, this is a church full of fighters here. I put my money on you, not Mike Tyson, you know? <laughs> This is a church, I believe, you, the strength and power of Christ is in you. And you have to remember in the hard moments that his love will meet you, his love will strengthen you, he will give you what you need. It may just be one day at a time, one moment at a time, but you can count on him to meet you, and you just keep moving forward. You with me on this church? And Christ's love will prevail. Now, let's talk about the specifics of this passage real quick. He says, husbands, here's the call to husbands, 
they are commanded to love their wives. Now, a couple things I have to point out about these verses. First, in the original languages, uh, this verse is in what is called the imperative tense. An imperative is a command. It's not optional. So what Paul is showing in, this, in these verses is that he's saying, husbands, God has commanded you. He's not asking, he's like, hey, you know, would you mind doing this for me? No. He's saying, I'm telling you, I want your marriage and your home to be a place of love. And he's saying, husbands, this is your primary responsibility. Isn't that fascinating? Isn't that challenging? He says, guys, you are commanded to love your wives. Now, this word love is the New Testament word agape, which is there's several Greek words of love. There's eros, which is kind of romantic love, which might be what you would expect in these verses. There's philos, there's brotherly love, and there's a couple others. But this is agape. This is a uniquely Christian term. It's a term that can only be understood by the work of Christ. It's a, a love that is primarily about self-emptying, self-sacrifice, putting the other person ahead of yourself, all of those connotations are tied up into this word. And this is the word Paul challenges me and us with. You with me? Husbands are commanded to love their wives. God places the responsibility on men to make their marriage and home marked by love. Now, not love as we define it. Many of us men, I, I think you can decide this for yourself, guys, if I'm right on this, but many of us men, we define love as well as my family provided and protected. That, yeah, I love them. Bills are paid. Heat is on. There's no active threats around. What more do you want, guys? Come on. Dad's killing it. Husband's killing it. You know, as guys, we, we tend, we have our own sense of what love is. Guys, you're not helping me out on this. You're like, uh, yeah, <laughs> thank you, brother. But, but here's the deal. I think to most of our wives and families, love is understood as attention and time. You with me? So, so a guy... And in their mind, they're like, look, my bases are covered. Our home, our family, it's protected, it's provided for. I got this. But our families might look at it and say, you know what? Uh, I need your time. I need your attention. I, I, I need to know that, like, you are noticing me, that we're talking, that we're having eye contact, that you're not distracted, and, and that takes time and space. And, and so I want to challenge us as men, what does, what does it look like to bear this responsibility? And, and what does it look like to, to just ask ourselves, again, if you're a husband, to say, all right, I know I may be giving love in the way that I understand, but does my wife, does, does my family, do they feel that? Do they experience it in a way that feels like love to them? Now, in this passage, if, if you read all through Ephesians 5, Paul says that Christ's love, it's self-sacrificing and it's sanctifying. 
Those are two of the defining characteristics of it. It's self-sacrificing and it's sanctifying. So for us guys to live this out, then, then our love has to be defined by those two things as well. And, and, and here's, just let me talk about it in a simple way. Here's what I think it, it, it could mean for us, is that number one, it's sacrificing. Again, I don't know, I'm not saying this is every husband, but if you're like me, you have the tendency to take from your marriage and give to your work. Well, you know, I'll stay later, I'll do more, I'll be preoccupied in my mind, and, you know, she'll be good. Or you might have, again, guys, maybe this is just a me thing. I hope not, because uh, I'll feel better about myself here. But, but, but you, might, you might be more prone to taking from your marriage and giving to your hobbies. Taking from your marriage and giving to time with friends, whatever. And of course, you need some of that, right? That, that, that's good. But, but here's the challenge that, that Paul addresses. He's saying, hey, guys, sometimes it's good to take from work and give to your wife. I've known a lot more marriages that, that, that marriage was sacrificed for work. I don't know a ton of places where work has been sacrificed for marriage. Is that fair? That, that maybe that, that guys, we, we have to push against what maybe is natural and normal and say, I'm going to take from these other parts of my life that, yeah, that I want to do, that is meaningful, important to me, but I'm going to give it into my marriage. That's the sacrificing. Here's the sanctifying. Sanctifying means to, to make holy, to make better, to make us more into Christ. So here's the second thing I would challenge us guys with, is that basically, does our presence build our wives up or break them down? Does it build them up or break them down? Let me say it really, really simply. Guys, does your wife around you, does she feel smart? Does she feel protected? Does she feel encouraged? Does she feel beautiful around you? I think Paul's saying she should. What do you think? Well, how do we do it? Well, a lot of it's our words. A lot of it's our attitude. A, a lot of it's how we live our life and, and what we're prioritizing. Guys, this is a high call for men. And Paul's saying, will you step up to it? The, the, what... what what does your presence bring to your wife? Does she feel beautiful? Does she feel smart? Does she feel encouraged? Does she feel protected? And, and how can we build on that? Now, let's talk about the ladies for a second. Guys, do you feel beat up enough or can I keep, can I keep going here? Uh, wives are called to respect their husbands. So just notice the different drives here, church. You know, he says, man, wives primarily, and again, it's, it's not that we don't all want love and respect. We do all want love and respect, right? Paul's not saying that, but he's saying, hey, the, here's your central aim. You know, husbands, love your wives, and then uh, wives, respect your husband. Respect your husband. In, in other words, what, what does it mean to be respected? Have you ever been disrespected before? That's no fun, is it? 
And when you're disrespected, what, what, what made you disrespected? Well, maybe you were cut down. You were demeaned. Maybe it was more subtle. You weren't acknowledged or appreciated. Right? Someone didn't even take the time to say hi to you or something like that. Those can all be uh, senses of disrespect. And Paul says, wives, strive to give your husband a sense that he's respected by you. Now, here's the deal. All of us guys act tough, but we're not near as tough as we act. Sorry, guys. And wives, whether you know it or not, your words and your affirmation weigh a thousand pounds in a man's heart. He may not tell you that. He may not act like that. But there are two primary shaping influences on a man. Number one is their dad. And if their dad did not validate them as a man, that will haunt them for the rest of their life until God helps them to heal from it. Here's what the second big thing is. Their wife. And if your husband has some deep wounds from his father, then, then he's going to be especially sensitive to your sense of affirmation from him. Are you with me on this? And I know, you know, us guys get a get together, and all we do is tear into each other and rip each other apart. And you're like, how can this double standard exist? I don't know, but it does, you know? Right? Guys, guys show love to each other by calling each other stupid and dumb and, you know, ugly and stuff. Yeah, I love that guy, you know? He rips into me. But it, it doesn't work. You, you can't do it. <laughs> Sorry, ladies. I know it's a double standard. We're Neanderthals, basically. Uh, don't try to understand it. Just, it, just, it just is. You, your words, your affirmation, your acknowledgement matters. Just, hey, just acknowledging. You know, you, ladies, just try this. Be like, when you go home, you're sitting there around the counter at lunch, you're like, babe, do you like them working out? You, you'll see that guy, you'll see him pop, light up. He'll be like, well... I did lift a Pop-Tart this morning. <laughs> In some countries, that's considered a workout. So, yeah, I did. Like, you, you all, all uh, wow. and it, I haven't told you that trick. You can still use it. It'll work. I, I, he even knows the play is coming. It'll still work. It just, <laughs> it's, it's not complicated. But what, acknowledge, right? Hey, there's some, there are great men in this church. And take the time sometimes to acknowledge the work, the sacrifice, the burden they might be carrying. It'll mean a lot. They'll have a sense of respect, right? Wives, you got some good husbands or good dads. Have you told them recently, man, I'm thankful how you care for our kids. I'm thankful what you do. Acknowledge, appreciate. Man, babe, the lawn, you just killed it. You know, <laughs> I see, I've been to some great golf courses, but holy cow, you just, you just killed it, babe. You know, it doesn't even have to be totally true. You know, it'll still work. <laughs> we, uh, we, we went to Great Wolf Lodge this week with the girls, had just an absolute ball. And Abby, she's two years old, there was this little kiddie pool and there was a ledge about an inch tall. 
no joke, maybe even not an inch. And she would go to the edge of the ledge and she would jump off it. And she would land. And then she would run around and give me a high five. We did that for 45 minutes. Same deal. And every time, every time before she, before she jumped off, I'm like, babe, do you see this whole amazing water park? You know, you got slides, you got this, you got fountains, and your dude jumping off, you know, a ledge. Quite, quite a risk taker there. Um, and, uh, and she would, but every time she got on the ledge, she'd be like, daddy, daddy. I'm like, babe, I'm watching you. I'm watching you. And then she'd jump, and I'd have to clap, and we'd give the high five. You know, she, and I'm not saying your husband's like that. I'm not saying that. I'm just randomly telling you that story. I'm not saying he's like that. Um, but <laughs> Guys, I love you. All right, I do. But we're simple creatures. What does, it, what does respect look like? Acknowledge, appreciate, affirm. You don't have to be impressed. It was a small ledge. But I still celebrated it. He doesn't have to impress you all the time for you to celebrate him. Amen. You take what you can get. Say, woo, yeah. That's the best jumping I've seen today. And you might see something different in him. You with me on this, church? Respect goes a long way. Acknowledge, appreciate, affirm, and accept. I know he's got a million ways he needs to do better and grow. I know it. But what can you affirm? What, 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 can you, what can you call out the best by, by, by calling out from a place of dignity, not a place of failure? You with me on this? It goes a long way. Now, I've been reading this great book called Shadow Divers, and it's about these deep sea divers that one day, this one deep sea diver, his name is Bill Nagel. He was in New Jersey in a bar, and the guy next to him was a fishing captain. And he said, hey, do you know any good fishing spots? Because they usually, the fish love to be around a rack. They can, it kind of becomes a habitat for them. But, you know, these guys are very secretive with this stuff because they don't want other people to know their spots or their dives and all that kind of thing. So he said, yeah, I got one, but do you know any wrecks? And they switch coordinates, and they let each other know. And the coordinates that the diver got, Bill Nagel, it turned out to be a sunken German World War II U-boat 60 miles off the coast of New Jersey. It was not documented on American records or German records. No one knew about it. Uh, they discovered it. It, it. It's a fascinating story. And, and they, you know, were the first ones to go in it, to find it, to bring artifacts up, and it became this incredible story of, of finding things out. And here's, here's just what I want to say today. I think God has a remarkable, remarkable ability to go into the sunken places of our life and bring out treasure. And church, I know there are hard seasons of marriage. And I just want to encourage you today. For some of us that might be in one. I want you to know God has a remarkable ability to bring out of what seems like it is broken and destroyed and at the bottom. He has a remarkable ability to bring blessing 
something perfect out of that. He will help you. You're not alone today. There are good people in this church that will help you. You don't have to figure this all out alone. No one, you, you don't get married and get a textbook on it. That'd be nice, right? You, you got to do more to get your driver's license. Uh, it's weird. But, and we're supposed to figure out how to love each other and how to make it work for a billion years. You know, this is, this is a challenging thing. You don't have to do it alone. That's what I'm saying. God is with you. There, there is help around you, and I want you to trust and lean on his strength today. Let's pray. Father, I just pray that a blessing over our marriages, over our families today. Father, first I pray for your protection. I pray for protection against evil. Protection against harm and protection against our own capacity to harden our hearts towards each other. I pray for grace. I pray for grace from you that we could give to each other. I pray for the grace of proactive love that we would be in pursuit, that we wouldn't take the other for granted. I pray for the grace to make our homes a place of love and respect and to fuel the hearts of each other. I pray for the grace of forgiveness, to forgive each other, Lord, in the ugly moments. And I pray for the grace of redemption. I pray for the grace that can raise up from the depths our marriage, that can raise up from the depths our pain, and it can make it purposeful. The grace, Lord, that can restore and renew. Father, I pray that where we need hope today, you would give it. And Lord, I pray also that we would not get too far ahead of ourselves, and we would just focus on building a little bit of momentum today. Father, there may be big problems, but they don't need solved today. All we need is just a little bit of momentum. And I pray you would give it to us. Help us in this in Jesus' name. Amen.